In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning and a blessed Ascension Tide to you. Ascension Tide is a season within Easter Tide, within the great 50 days of Easter, marking the 10 days between the Ascension and Pentecost. We are then, liturgically speaking, in between the glorious ascent of the Lord Jesus into heaven and the glorious descent of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. So Ascension Tide is in part marked by a longing for the Comforter, for the Holy Spirit to come in power afresh upon the church whom he indwells. This comes through in the Collect of the Day, uh, in which we prayed, we learned this last week, to the Father, through the Son, and in the Spirit, do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before. That place to which he was exalted is heaven. And he did not ascend there immediately after his resurrection, but rather spent 40 days on earth for a twofold purpose. Number one, to demonstrate that he was indeed risen bodily from the dead. And number two, to teach his disciples. Listen to the first few verses of the book of Acts. This is Luke writing. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So he's showing that he is indeed risen from the dead, and he's giving them the deposit of faith. And then on the 40th day, Jesus did ascend into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father as Lord of all. So Jesus, we talked about this on Thursday night at my house, our living room became a makeshift sanctuary, that Jesus is king at present, so right now, not at some future date, Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth now, and Jesus is present on heaven and earth. That's part of the doctrine of the ascension. It's a doctrine of the, the abiding presence of Jesus. In John 16, 7, Jesus, speaking of his ascension, says, it is to your advantage that I go away. So Jesus' local absence means his universal presence by the Holy Spirit in the church. So for our seminarians in the room, this is not what's called modalism. I'm not saying that Jesus is the Spirit or that Jesus turned into the Spirit at Pentecost. As we'll learn uh, 
hopefully we already know this, but as we'll, we'll, we're going to exalt in the mystery of the Trinity two weeks from today on Trinity Sunday, and we're going to be reminded afresh that there is one God eternally existent in three persons, or hypostases, another seminary word, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what we're seeing in the relationship between Jesus and the Spirit, and the reason that Jesus can say, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This is the, this is the doctrine of what's called perichoresis, which is the mutual indwelling among the persons of the Holy Trinity. So it's three persons, there's distinction, but there's no separation, one God. Jesus does not ever say, for example, that I am the Father, because he's not. He does, however, say, I and my Father are one. He does say in John 14.10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Again, this is what's called perichoresis, not the collapse of the persons into some sort of monad. Thus, Paul says in Romans 8 of Jesus and the Spirit. You, however are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, how is it that Christ is in us? By the spirit. Because Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It is by the spirit, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead, that we will be raised up at the last day. And it is by the spirit that we are alive in Christ now and are able to advance, to ascend spiritually in the Christian life so that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places is a reality that we can live and participate in now. We can live as such now. Again, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And he is with us by the Spirit who indwells the church. Jesus is with us by the Spirit who indwells the church. So this is talking about the way that the, the world, the cosmos, is constructed, the relationship between heaven and earth. And it's talking about the, the ontology, the being of the church. So again, for our seminarians, there is a cosmological and ecclesiological dimension to this as well. Think about it. Jesus is present on earth. He did not leave us as orphans because the church is present on earth. We know that Jesus is present on earth because the church is present on earth. 
For the church is the mystical body of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit. And where God dwells, that's what a temple is, is God's dwelling place. Where God dwells, heaven is. Jesus unites all things in himself. He unites heaven and earth to bring it all together in this ascension tide. He descended from heaven and in the ascension he raises us up, his children, to heaven. Let's go over today to today's second lesson. Revelation chapter 22 uh, verse, verses 12 through 21, which was, uh, this is a rubric in the prayer, the prayer book. This, this passage, I was telling uh, some before the service, this was lengthened at the discretion of the officiant, yours truly. Because for no good reason, uh, the framers of the three-year lectionary, I'm sure they had their reasons, but their reasons were not good, is my point. They omitted verses 15, 18, and 19. So verse 14, I want to start with, which is a deeply sacramental verse. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes. It's an image of baptism. So that they will have the right to the tree of life. Eucharist. And may enter the city by the gates. Followed immediately, of course, 15 follows 14, but this was omitted. And this says, outside are the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I don't know exactly why they omitted it, but I have some guesses, which we'll get to in a second. But we need verse 15. Because being risen and ascended with Christ in practice, that we actually are setting our minds on things above, that we are living the reality of the ascension day in and day out, it necessitates Colossians 3, verse 4, putting to death what is earthly in you. And here in Revelation chapter 22, the call to come and to drink the water of life is an implicit, if not explicit, call to repentance. To stop drinking the mud and the toxic water of this world, and to drink deep of the Spirit. Walking according to the flesh, this is almost insulting for me to say this, and I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but I think it bears repeating that walking according to the flesh and walking according to the Spirit are not the same thing. There are two ways, brothers and sisters, and these two ways are not the same. One leads to life, the other to death. 
verses 18 and 19 of Revelation 22. These were also emitted. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Again, I don't know why, but I got to give it to them because I think it takes some gall to delete the verse that says if you delete verses, you'll be deleted. I don't have the guts to do it. I mean, especially during Ascension Tide, what are we doing today? We're exalting in the kingship of Jesus over heaven and earth, that he's Lord of all. We should not even come close to mitigating his lordship by skipping over the parts of scripture that make us uncomfortable. Because if we do mitigate his lordship, if we go through holy scripture with a highlighter and white out, then we are fashioning an idol in our own image. We're worshiping a golden calf. Are we embarrassed? Are we embarrassed of our Lord? Are we embarrassed of what he says is life and what's not life? Let us not ever be embarrassed of God and what he reveals to us in Holy Scripture. We have to understand these warnings in Scripture, the condemnation of sin in Scripture, is not God's malevolence. It's not that God is a cosmic killjoy and he doesn't want us to have any fun. His warnings are rooted in love. He's calling us off of the broad path that leads to destruction. He's created us. We're creatures in his image. We have intellect, emotion, and will. And as creatures with free will that can make choices, we can, if we want to, walk down a path that destroys us. And God in his love says, turn around. Come and drink of the river, of the water, of life. Come be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Come and walk with me. And in my power by the Spirit on the road that is life and leads to life. It's rooted in God's love. Maybe as verse 15 was read, 
Maybe you cringed. Maybe you've done or you're doing some of the things on that list, and that list is by no means exhaustive. No matter what you've done, Jesus calls out to you, come. Come and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Come and have your sins forgiven. Come and drink of the water of life. The Father offers to all the invitation to be washed in the blood of his Son, to be made alive by the Holy Spirit. The first sermon I ever preached in the Episcopal Church, I was still a layman. It was much too long of a sermon for the Episcopal Church. Uh, they weren't, were not ready for it. Uh, I, I had no idea. I preached nearly double what, what was <laughs> expected or normal. <laughs> and you know, the tagline of the Episcopal Church had been, has been, the Episcopal Church welcomes you which I think is a good thing. But like welcomes you to what? To stay exactly the same? Is, the, is, is that love? Is that loving for us to say, no matter how destructive of, a light, of, of seeing someone, meeting them where they're at, and saying, you're good, and we know that that person is headed towards misery and death and destruction. Is it love for us to just do that? It's not. So my sermon was, the Episcopal Church welcomes you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. God loves us, and this is Triton has been said many times, but I think it's good. God loves us as we are. And he knows. He knows we're weak and stupid and we're like dogs who return to their vomit, that we keep having the same. He knows that. He knows that we're dust. And he loves us as we are, where we are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. Too much. Verse 17. This is how it connects back to the beginning of the sermon. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty Come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Without price. We get that which is priceless. The bride, who, are, who, is, who is the spirit and the bride telling to come? They're telling the Lord Jesus. The bride is the church. The spirit is, of course, the Holy Spirit. So the, what's happening here is that the church in the Spirit and with the Spirit cries out, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. 
And yes, this is a call for his return. But it's also a call for, I think the way that we can apply it right now today is for the kingdom of God to come on earth as in heaven. That Lord Jesus, we, we need your transformative power. Think about all that's going on in our world. It feels like I'm not trying to make you depressed. But I, I feel like this country's like in free fall. Like we've seen this before. Think about all that's going on in our world. I think about all that's going on in, in my life, in your lives. I mean, even, even in this small church, the challenges that people are facing, the challenges which in the grand scheme of things are not that great that this church is facing. So whether... You realize it or not, we're desperate for the kingdom of God to come on earth as in heaven. We are. We need, how Sunday schoolish is this? We need Jesus. I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. And we need, on this Sunday after the ascension, we need for the Holy Spirit to come and power on Pentecost because it is the Spirit that makes Jesus known. And it is the Spirit that makes us like Jesus. The Son reveals the Father. The Spirit reveals, glorifies, and makes known the Son. And all... There's former Baptists in here. I know we're scared of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms us. The Holy Spirit that will empower us for mission. Because if it's just our good looks, and I think we got a lot of them, and our talent, we won't get very far. We need the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is with us. What we need to do as, as individuals, as, as a family, as a church, as families, as a church family, is that we need to knock on heaven's door until God shows up in an undeniable way. That's what he wants us to do. Ask, seek, knock. We need grace. We need grace. And what is grace? Ultimately, grace is the very life of God. It's participation in his life. So brothers and sisters, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all evermore. Amen.